Hello and welcome to Money View Week. This is Steve Grosser with Eric Holm and Paul Dinian. And once again, it's Jobs Friday. More after this. At 30,000 feet, there's no room for error. To keep a modern fighter jet flying safely year after year requires a highly trained team of expert technicians and specialized equipment. Echo 311 confirming final inspection. Roger that. GMC certified service technicians take service and maintenance just as seriously. And we'll do a full 27-point inspection. Great, thanks. With specialized GMC training and genuine parts for every GMC vehicle, you can be sure your GMC is always ready to take off. Incredible thinking, incredible service. GMC certified service. That's professional grade. Get AC Delco Professional Durastop brake pads installed for only $99.95 or less per axle. Includes rotor inspection. Retail customers only. Turning or replacing rotors, all other services, and tax extra. Visit GMCCertifiedService.com for details, other great offers, and to find your closest GMC dealer. The report came in below expectations. It was 214. Expectation was 233. The unemployment rate, though, ticked down slightly. We went from 5.9 to 5.8, and expectations were for it to hold steady at 5.9. What is, what is a general takeaway we can you know, take from this jobs report? It seems like, for the most part, this was just more of the same. We're continuing the trend of 200-plus you know, uh, gains every month. But it, 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 this wasn't a report that can get everyone, you know, really excited about should, the, you know, the economy. Should, should we hear from Tom Perez first? Well, it's yeah. another solid report. Uh, we now have nine months in a row over two hundred thousand jobs created, which hasn't happened since the mid nineties. A year ago, our unemployment rate was seven point two percent. Now it's five point eight percent. That was that's the, the positive sector. take. Yeah, that's the that's labor positive sector. take. I mean, and, and for him, it is a you know, it's well, another solid report. Look, I, you know, as far as what he said goes, he's not incorrect. And you that's have, no small thing, right? And that's no small thing. You're right, right. I mean, you know, the, uh, what was it, the August number, which was really weak, it was 180. That got revised higher. Actually, it started out even lower than that, if I right, recall Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, now it's over 200. Right. right. So now you have nine months of 200,000 plus jobs every single month. The average for the year is above 200,000, which is the last three years that average has gone up every year. I think it was around 180 two years ago, then 190. Now it's over 200. So that number is improving. The unemployment rate is coming down. Those are those are good things. You know, I don't. You know, I want me to be the the, the bearer of bad news, but I mean, the, and, those and, are and, good and things. Participation looks slightly better and slightly yeah, better. I mean, and, still, uh, it's people are the, coming back into the labor force. The, this is where the problems start to come in. Sure, but. Uh, I mean, it's better than going down, you know, participation decrease. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. But but the, the participation rate, it, it ticked up. It's still near 35 some odd, some odd year lows. That's the problem with the unemployment rate. And the Federal Reserve knows that. The unemployment rate is very low, but it is not – it's not a perfect indication of where the economy is right now. Sure. It's just not – because of these issues, because there are so many people that are just left the labor force and have not come back yet. If they start coming back, that's great. And you did see some of that this month, Eric, right? You right, saw the, right. the number of people coming back in the labor force go up, which is why the rate went down. And that's a good thing in as, much, as far as it goes. But the, the thing I keep coming back to and the, the thing I've been talking about is you look at wage growth and it is not good. And until that is good – 
I don't think that you can say this is an economy that can stand on its own two feet and keep going. I just don't. Uh, the average hourly wages this year, they were up this month. They were up three cents from a month ago, two percent from a year ago. The the weekly earnings percentage number was better. It was around 2.6. But those numbers are only about half of what they should be. And that's not just me saying it. That's Janet Yellen saying it. They're about half of what they should be to indicate, to show a strong economy. You don't have that yet. So, yes, the headline number looks better. The unemployment rate looks better. But when you start really parsing out what you've got here, I don't think you have a sign of a very strong economy. The other thing, uh, of course, is that the uh, the areas where the jobs are created, I guess in October is when you start to see the uh – the seasonal hiring, right? So you are right. going to see a little bit of retail stuff. Uh, the know, retail numbers are actually not oh, they so off of their average. The bartenders, the right? bartenders, <laughs> yeah. The, the the leisure and the leisure and uh, drinking establishments number was much higher than than the average. So, do you want to read that as a good sign? Sure, that's great. People are going out and spending money. I mean, that that's a good you know, it's a good sign. Are those great paying jobs? N- no, not really. Um, right. So that's that's a problem, and and that's and we it's interesting. We had uh, Joe Brusuelis on the show today. He's an economist from this firm, um, Grady McCle- He just moved from Bloomberg. Now I'm blanking on the name of the firm, but the thing he pointed out, and and this is again, this is a trend that's pretty good. Is he said the number of high paying jobs versus the number of low paying jobs, that ratio has has turned, and there are now more high paying jobs than low paying jobs. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to doubt him. He's a smart guy. I think that that's good in, in as far as that goes. But I still think when you look at these numbers, you have too many low-paying jobs. And when you put that together with the number of people out of the workforce and other people who are stuck in part-time jobs, but want to be, all these things are combining to keep that lid on wage growth. And that's great for employers. All you employers out there, you know, this is a good time for you. But well, it's, no, it's, it's not necessarily. Not, because, it's I mean, not good for us. Don't you want a little bit of the virtuous cycle? I mean, you know. Well, uh, you want, I mean, like the, these workers are also your consumers. Yeah, but do you care I when mean, the Fed's got rates at zero? I mean, corporate profits are hitting records every quarter. Well, it Paul, seems Paul, to be Paul, the, the Paul, virtuous Paul, circle seems to be Paul, Fed keeps. Paul, yes, yes, yeah, yes, you're yes, the one Stephen who, you, Every time that Steve Russolillo. Has ever mentioned? Poor, poor one out. Uh, yeah. Do we need to? Do we need to do a moment of silence? Every time that, every time he always mentioned the you know earnings hitting records, you'd point out that's what they're supposed to do. Yes, it is what they're supposed to do. You're right. Thank you. Thank you for playing both parts roles. I, 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 just, like to, I just like to point out when you discount your own arguments. Yes, thank you. Hey, I'm just trying to show the other side. I'm trying to show the other side here, grocer. I'm trying to be. Uh, you know, we don't have Russellillo, so somebody has to be. You know, the other thing that your guest said on the show, uh, he works for McGladry. McGladry. Thank you. I looked it up here. Yes. uh, Was that wages are sort of a trailing uh, factor, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're the last thing that kick in. Yeah. Because you only pay people more. When you have to. When you have to. (laughs) When you have to. And they haven't had to yet. And he thinks that we're at this point where you are going to start to see real wage growth. And I, I hope he's right. And, I mean, but he, even he – I mean not even he. It's not like he, he's some pie-in-the-sky guy. Right. He, he, he still sees it as a, as a ways off, I believe. Yeah. Well, he and, and he you – know, on, on, in, the, in the interview, he acknowledged healthy wage growth would be about double of what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. So we are still uh, f- far away from it. But 
I don't know. How dark do you want me to go, grosser? Well, I mean, the question, is, I mean, the question I'm always confused about is, like, does anyone actually think we're, this economy is very strong? <laughs> we just sighed heavily. No, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. Do we need to? Paul, does Paul's, someone Paul's, need to articulate that side? Well, no, but I mean, Paul's Paul's sort of argument, and you know, has always been that, like, but I, I've never seen everyone. I mean, like, you know, you turn on the like most, you know, financial. TV. There, no one's sitting there proclaiming that this is a strong economy. That we're in boom times. You know. I mean. Uh, you know. You look at the election that just took place, um, and, mm-hmm. and you know, in every election since the financial crisis, uh, it sort of seems to suggest that voters aren't particularly happy right. with the state of the economy and the direction. I mean, um, of the economy. I mean, that's the only thing I'm pointing out. I mean, we're. I mean, everyone seems to agree that. This has been a slow and painful recovery. It's a slow and painful recovery that is, you know, in keeping with, you know, recoveries that follow deep financial panics. I read a great commentary actually today where someone said, uh, uh, you know, it's not going to feel good until you can open up your wallet and see more than a five and three ones. Wait, that was Paul. That was no, it was, it was three ones and a five. Oh, sorry. Yes, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> No, I, I think that's true. I, I I really do think when you finally start to see some actual legitimate wage growth that you can start saying, okay, we're huh? there. The, the the bigger fear in my mind is that, you know, you look at 2015, you already have the dollar racing ahead against every currency because all these other central banks are, you know, trying to, to ease more than the Fed. So you, you have a strengthening dollar, whatever effect that's going to have on our economy it will have, you have... Europe is, I'm sorry, it's in a shambles. I mean, I don't care what happy face they try to paint on it. It's in a shambles. China is in some state of not good, and Japan is stuck where it's been. I just don't see how those three economies do not have an effect on the United States. And the fear, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm saying, you know, my fear, is that next year, as we finally maybe start to get to that point where you could see some real wage growth, is what happens is is the rest of the world starts having a real impact on the United States economy, and we just don't get there. Now, one of the I, I mean, I, and you get to a good point there, Paul. I mean, I think one of the real questions, though, is how much can this, you know, uh, recovery stand up when the rest of the world is struggling? Yeah, you know, I, and, I don't and, know. And, and and while we're showing two hundred thousand, um, you know, jobs added um, every month. That is a lagging indicator as well, and you know, is is are we going to start? Is it going to be to keep this momentum that we're sort of, you know, even if it's only slight momentum, keep this momentum going in the jobs market that we sort of built? Can we do that if Europe, you know, is back in a recession? If China is really starts to struggle and sees sees a you know significant slowdown? If deflation becomes an issue, and the rest of the world as well. Yeah, I don't know the. I mean, I don't know the answer to that question. I, look, it's it's November seventh. That is that's a twenty fifteen question. But that is the question the markets are going to have to start asking themselves because Europe is very close. They're they're going to come to their crossroads soon because Draghi is being pushed about as far as he can be pushed without having to make a move. He he had that press. They had a press conference this week. He 
delivered a lot more rhetoric. He quashed this kind of thought that there's a rebellion within the ranks of the ECB and the central banks in Europe, that they're not happy with what Draghi is doing. He, he kind of got people thinking, you know, he, he, without coming out and saying, no, it's absolutely absolutely not true. He kind of made it sound that you know there is a unanimous opinion about what to do. We'll do it when the time comes. We will take these measures. But I don't know if anybody really believes that. Can they really do a big full-scale quantitative easing program, which is what they've been intimating they can do and will do if they need to? That crossroad is going to come very soon because every every time he speaks, he says it's we we can do it and we will do it and it's coming. Eventually, they're going to you know the market is going to maybe that they trick won't can only rebel work so many them. times, yeah, right. And I think now people are starting to say, well, the ECB is going to do it in, in December, the next meeting. They're going to do it. Are they going to hold his feet to the fire? Are they really going to hold his feet to the fire? Can he really can he really do it? I don't think the Germans are going to let him do it. No, I mean, it, so, it, is a, it's, it is a complicated Byzantine, you know, everyone has sort of their own agendas. Right. And, you know, getting, you know. But, but to get back to the point, I think that is going to be the first major crossroad of 2015. And then you're just going to see others. Is the Fed going to raise rates? If every other if, – if the dollar is rising against everybody and really getting strong and say that starts hurting exporters, say that starts hurting the economy, are they really going to raise rates in the face of that? That's a big question. I mean that's a big question. No, it, it, it – I think it would – if you know, depend, it all depends on, you know – where Europe stands, uh, you know, going into next year. Yes. Because you're right. I mean, it, it seems unlikely the Fed would continue down this path. And I think that, you know, and that's why the, the – and, the, and to be honest, the Fed is taking a slow and gradual approach to this. I mean, what's, what, is, what is interesting is, in fact, though, that like, the, the, uh, the unemployment rate is actually, you know, lower than where the Fed expected in the fourth quarter already. Yes. Right. Um, it sort of shows you, you know. So all that should, be, you know, in many essences, be taken as oh, a sign that the Fed might be looking, that we're inching closer, yeah, yeah, to yeah. raising rates. Right. But uh, yeah, I and mean, Paul laid out the case for why they may not do it next year. But I, I feel like I saw some commentary today from several different places thinking that yeah. maybe maybe March is when right. we have, have a rate increase, which is, uh, you know, sooner than the. Sort of general yeah. uh, conventional wisdom. What is a Fed futures f uh, fund? I didn't look at that. Dude. I don't know. I mean, but that, but, but, but no, I, that, that's like, you know, had been sure. that would have been bumping out, especially in October. You know, you looked at October when everything was going, you know, sort of uh, a bit crazy. Volatility was way up. Uh, you know, that started getting pushed out until, you know, next fall. Um, when, in, in fact, you know, what Janet Yellen had said would place, you know, she said six months roughly. You know, that would put it in, in, in right around April. So, you know, a March meeting doesn't seem crazy no. based on what the Fed has been saying. And look, they, they, they could do something where they raise rates, but it's really a token amount. I mean, if they raise rates by 25 basis points and go from this narrow band of whatever it is now, zero to 0 0.12 or whatever, or two, you know, if they raise rates 25 basis points, you're still at, you know, rock bottom rates. So they could, you know, to kind of try to maintain their credibility, they could raise rates, but not do anything that would really change the, the, the picture. They could do that. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. I mean, they're certainly not going to embark on a, a steep rate increase um, They're not going to go to regime. 1% right away. Right. Yeah. They're not going to go to 1% or say, we're going to raise 25 basis points every single meeting for the foreseeable future. 
you know, they could do a token thing so that they, they show their bona fides, but they're not really derailing things. It's possible. Or they could do nothing. Look, they, they will be justified if everybody else is sucking wind and if our inflation rate is still as low as it is, or say it's even trending down, and you have any bump in the employment numbers, they can easily make the justification that we are not going to raise rates. And that's actually the case that uh, Kosher Lakota was already making. Yeah, I mean, so John Hilsenrath over at our, you know, sister, uh, one of our sister blogs, you know, basically his take on this from, you know, talking to, you know, countless Fed officials and, and stuff like that and doing, you know, the you know, mm-hmm. good reporting he does is, is generally that, you know, this this report shows that the labor market's improving a little bit faster than the Fed, you know, has had projected. Um, but, you know, the, the Fed's sort of steady – See what happens, Paul. You know, um, you know, policy is still you know in place, and you know, in he, you know, he's saying like I think a lot of the Fed officials are looking at you know middle of 2015, and like so this really hasn't changed anything. Right. Although he he does he also points out though that there you know some of the metrics um, that the Fed watches carefully showed improvement. He points out that the the labor force participation rate has you know sort of stabilized. Um, you know, um, the, the, for the first time, it didn't decline from a year ago since 2008. The percentage of, the, of uh, that is employed rose to 59.2, its highest level since in July 2009. And the number of people who um, outworked for more than six months declined to 2.9 million, down 28 percent from a year ago. Um, a broader measure of the unemployment, including, you know, discouraged the U6, discouraged workers and those working uh, part-time who want full-time jobs dropped 11.5 percent, its lowest since September 2008. So, I mean, like, yeah, those are all, you know, those are all not great numbers, but they're, they seem to be at least going in the right direction. Yes, absolutely. They're all going in the right direction, coming off extremely depressed levels. We all yeah. get that. Uh, you know, I just I, – I don't – I don't feel very – you know, I don't feel very confident about the economy. But I, mean, I don't feel particularly confident about what's going to happen in 2015. I would love – I would love to be wrong. I really would. I know I say that and people don't really think it. You know, all these, these bearish types that are out there, you think that they want things to be – I don't want things to be bad. I do want things to be good. I just I, – I don't know. And I, what I really worries me is – all these central banks, I mean, the ECB, the, the Bank of Japan is going off the rails on QE. The ECB says they're going to. The Fed is still, you know, you still have interest rates at essentially zero. I mean, you have all these central banks doing all this work. The markets love it. And look at what you're getting out of it. Europe right. is about to go into its third recession. Japan is, you know, 20 years they've been a basket case and their demographics are just going to completely outweigh anything they can do. China is not in a good position. I don't care what anybody says. And then you got us. So like if you think of it as think of it as like a 747, right? And the four engines are those four economies. Three of the four are not in good shape. We're listing hard to the right. Yeah. I mean, three of the four are not in good shape. But well, I planes also, don't I mean, list, do they? And this that is one of the disagreements that, that we that we have, you know, uh, you and I, Paul. I mean, like to be fair, though, I mean, what is the Fed supposed to do in this situation? I mean, it has oh, to. Right. It has to try to do something. You're absolutely and it, and, right. And, and and 
it's just an example of like you know the monetary policies, the tools they have at their hand, you know, are not perhaps the most effective tools for getting you know the economy jump started. Right. Um, you know, perhaps infrastructure spending and things like that by you know um, Congress and you know the White House would have been a much you know sort of better way of sort of stimulating the economy. I don't know, but like you know, that's the Fed has to you know its mandate is. You know, full employment, and it needs to, right. and you know, um, it needs to try to do something. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. And I think all these central bankers realize that, and they all realize their limitations. And that's also a sign of how bad, you know, uh, the two thousand eight uh, financial crisis was. I mean, just how I think deep it was, um, yes. and how I, difficult I it is yeah. to pull us out yeah. of it. Right. I don't think we're fully pulled out of it. No, and, we're and, not. I mean, and I don't think anyone disagrees with that. No, fine. Paul and I, you know. Look at that common ground. You know who That's it was? Good. It was Russellillo. I know. I think it, it was, was. Russellillo. I oh, we should go back on that too as well. He and clarify for our loyal listeners. He's not dead. <laughs> he's only dead to us. He's only dead to us. Yes. I, I went. No, no. We 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 cruised right by it. Then and as we were moving on, I was like, wait, that didn't sound good. Oh, yeah. No, he's he, clear he, to people. He left and we miss him. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and one other footnote as what well is, is that maybe, maybe, you know, the Republican White House and Obama can get along if Paul and, and, and Steve can get right, right. common ground. <laughs> yeah. Maybe no, right. If, if we can it. find common ground, why can't Obama, Obama and Boehner? Good job, Tori. <laughs> one one <laughs> other footnote. Excellent production value uh, on this podcast. Michael J. Casey, our colleague, has a, a good uh, post that uh, that was a very good post that went up this afternoon about uh, some thoughts on why these numbers might be revised up pretty sharply. Yeah, that was that was very good. It's pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff. So I would I would tell people to go check it out. I didn't quite follow it myself on first read, and I'm going to go back and look at it again. But well, um, this was this was the issue about the seasonals, right? Yeah, the yeah. Apparently, the seasonal adjustment that was made here was. Quite stark. It was massive, yeah. Right, they, and and if you just used what they'd done last October, right. then the number we would have gotten this month would have been three hundred and seventy-three thousand. Right, would have been much, much higher. So, is yeah, it, you know, the, the numbers that we all report are, are seasonally adjusted, right? They do that to smooth mm-hmm. out the the rockiness in the data, um, and they always. You know, they, they, and they always, they always get revised. In, they always get revised, right. So they always have a number that they kind of use to smooth it out. This month, that number was – it was massive. It was huge, whereas it hasn't been in years past. So it's cu- sort of a curious thing. So, yeah, the numbers could get revised higher. Um, I don't think it will make much difference in terms of the wage growth. But, not yet. Hey, not yet. I'm just going to go – you know, as we wrap this up, I just want to yeah. go through sort of some of the, you know, sort of economist reactions to this report because I just sort of find it interesting in the glasses half full, glasses half empty kind of camps. You know, Paul Ashworth over Capital and Economics. This was still on whole a strong employment report, a massive 638,000 surge. An alternate household survey measure of employment pushed the unemployment rate down to 5.8 percent. Revisions in preceding two months added additional 31,000 to payrolls. Um, then you have Dan Greenhouse over BTIG uh, who is at 214,000. Uh, 214,000 reading of for headline job creation is certainly a disappointing, although 
mitigated somewhat by the 31,000 upward revision to the previous month. Um, then, you know, life is about context. Four years ago, we wouldn't have killed um, for a low 200 uh, – um, who wouldn't have killed for a low 200,000 uh, print on the non-farm payrolls? Who said that? That was uh, uh, Guy Labass over at Janney oh, Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, while uh, while this is a sign that the economy is slowly moving in the direct, right direction, if you look below the headline numbers, it's obvious that today's labor market is still far from normal. Agreeing with you. Who said Paul, that? That was Elise Gould over Economic Policy Institute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And then you just have this was a solid report that suggests ongoing health in the labor market. Who so said no that? sign yet of meaningful acceleration in the pace of improvement. Who said that? That was uh, Michelle Girard over at RBS Securities. Mm, okay. But I think that shows – I mean like that's generally what I think we were sort of getting at uh, this – you know this podcast is you know the report basically There's something said we, for everyone. It, it, it basically it tells you more about yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this report was say uh, a Rorschach. T- what is <laughs> yeah, it? Exactly. No, it is. I mean, it, it basically can be interpreted anyway, and it basically was just a continuation of what we've been seeing for yeah. a long while now. Yeah. What I saw was that Paul and Steve were disagreeing, and I put my fingers in my ears and said, "Mommy and Daddy are fighting." <laughs> Um, so what is this? I mean, what I mean, does this change anything? I mean, in terms of how the markets, I mean, like, like if you look at the market reaction, no, no, and I don't think it changes anything. I mean, I think it does. It's sort of, it's a continuation of the trend. It's really a flat continuation of the trend. I mean, it's almost dead on, really, in terms of that. So no, it doesn't change anything. I don't think it's going to change anybody's mind about what the Fed's going to do. Next year, I don't think it changes anybody's mind about where the economy is, which, you know what? That's not a bad thing. I mean, this could have been a terrible report and a big surprise and a big disaster. So you didn't get that. Uh, if it had been better, sure, that would that would be good. But, I mean, you know, it maintains trend, and, and that's that's not the worst thing in the world. The trend's not – even I will say it. The trend's not awful. So – it's not the worst thing in the world. The trend's pretty good. You know, not every jobs report has to be, you know, 48-point headline jobs report. I think that's a good place to end it. Even Paul's a little optimistic. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm realistic. <laughs> I'm always realistic. I'm always, you guys think I'm a pal. I'm always realistic. Thank you. This has been Steve Grosser with Eric Holm and Paul Vigna. Now this. We help farmers make the best use of their land which means healthier crops, higher yields, and less harvesting hours. Which is good news for a growing population and good news for the environment. BASF, the chemical company. You've been listening to the Money Beat Podcast. Stay connected to the Wall Street Journal Radio Network by following us on Twitter at WSJ Radio.